0: Well, good afternoon. Again, good afternoon. Did someone say good morning? We're still having a laugh. No, good, it's definitely good afternoon. It is the afternoon. Uh, welcome again to Rotherham Evangelical Church. Hope you're doing okay. Um, so it's Cafe Church, and as some of you will know, at Cafe Church we, we take a break from what we normally do. We set the chairs out a bit differently. And we eat uh, more cake, uh, and we drink more tea and coffee, and we have sort of nice uh, tablecloths. And we also do some different things as well in terms of the message. We think about um, things perhaps from a more cultural way in terms of engaging with the culture. And we've started a series now thinking about the things that, uh, what would you say, people sometimes think about Christianity that they've, perhaps preconceptions or misconceptions that they have. Uh, And so, uh, when Jamie was here, we looked at uh, Christianity is not for wimps, on the grounds that he was this big, strong rugby-playing guy. And so today we're going to look at Christianity is not after your money. Okay, so we're going to have, that's going to be today, because that's obviously what some people say. People say, oh, you know, Christianity Church is after your money. It's after your money. So we're going to look at that today and see whether we think that's, that's true or not. Um, a guy called Howard Dayton who uh, I was reading recently was describing uh, this situation during the Crusades during the Crusades the, uh, the let's call them Christian Army although I'm not sure they were the Christian Army but the Christian Army has gone off to Palestine and they were hiring local mercenaries, they were hiring local guys uh, a bit of a few sort of big lads to uh, fight the the, the occupiers of, of Palestine at that point. And because it was, they thought, a, a holy war, they thought, well, okay, these, these local guys, we need to baptise them. Yeah, we're going we're to baptise them. And so uh, when they were baptising them, they didn't really know what was going on, but they were a bit concerned that they wouldn't be able to use their swords anymore for um, killing people and the other things you use swords for. And so when they were baptised, they actually used to do this. They would actually hold the sword up out of the water as they went down so that they could still, you know, so they didn't feel they could still, you know, get the sword and still poke them with the sharp end and that's something which you do with the sword. And the reader was, the, the writer was suggesting that sometimes this is what, what we do with money. You know, when we baptize, we hold the wallet up as we go down sort of in the water and I hold it back up again because we don't want it to be, you know, we still want to be able to capture it now. So uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, analogy from the, from the writer. Um, but as you know, it's a bit interactive, these sessions, so stand by for a bit of interaction. Uh, hands up who does pub quizzes here? Hands up who, who does pub quizzes? Here? You do pub quizzes? Okay. I want to help you with a pub quiz round that might be coming up in a couple of weeks. The round is called, uh, I'm not quite sure what they call it, it'll be something like People Think It's in the Bible, but It Isn't. Okay? So, so just to warm you up a bit. Um, This too shall pass. You hear people say that. They say, you know, this too shall... Usually like this. This too shall pass. Okay? Is it in the Bible? No. It's not in the Bible. It was written by some... It was actually written by a guy from Persia. And it's actually a piece of poetry. Which I didn't know. Uh, So you need to remember these things for for the quit, That's what I'm saying. Uh, Or how about cleanliness is next to godliness. They say, that's normally not said like that. Tuesday. cleanliness is next to godliness. When someone's telling you off because your, you know, your room's messy or, or whatever like that, is it in the Bible? No, it is not in the Bible. Um, so, discussion time. Just gather with the people around your table and see what other examples you might be able to come up with with things that you people say are in the Bible, but they're not in the Bible. Okay. Take a bit of time, a bit of chat, let's see what, uh, what you can come up with, what examples you've got. <laughs> what do you think guys? I know I have to confess that at least... One table has resorted to cheating and looking on the internet, yeah. but, we but we but we won't. So you know they should have. <laughs> and there we go. First up. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so what? So what do you think? What have we got? What what? Uh, sorry, you go. You go last. You're going to finish up all the ones, <laughs> yeah. Mister. It does not say that. It does not say money is the root of all evil. We will come back to that in a moment. Thank you. In fact, sometimes in fact, sometimes people even say uh, money is the root of. All. Yeah. Pride goes before a fall. Okay. It's there are some misquotes. That that is true. There are some, there are some misquotes around. Any other uh, suggestions from the floor, from the tables, Miss Lee? Charity begins to. happen Lisa, like moth to flame, yeah. I don't not. I'm aware. Of. It is a, a lot of these are sayings that we we assume, you know, become that way, yeah, yeah. Any others? Going to sweep up from the <laughs> end, brother, brother. Before you choose it. <laughs> Three wise men. A undefined number of wise men. Yes. Uh, It says God helps those who help themselves. Does it? Uh, No. That was a a Greek guy. Uh, To thine own self be true. To thine own self be true. No, that was William Shakespeare, apparently, who obviously did quite well out of its selling plays. Uh, and uh, God works in mysterious ways he may very well do but it does not say that in the Bible That was a hymn writer called William Cowper who you you may have heard of and as Joan was telling us it doesn't say uh, money is the root of all evil what it actually says is for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil so it's actually quite different It goes on to say, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And that's one of many places in the Bible where it talks about money and possessions. Uh, One writer reports that there are 2,350 different verses where money or possessions are talked about and referred to. I didn't go and check, but we'll take his word for it. And, and, And it's worth perhaps asking ourselves why that is. Why is there so much in the Bible about that? Well, think about it. I mean, how often do we talk about it? How often do we talk about money and, and our possessions? Usually, on the on the news every night, there's some kind of uh, some kind of story about financial markets and those kind of things. Um, if you're going, you know, see, if you're going to the shops, usually you're looking at prices and that sort of stuff. Uh, if you're if you have a teenager, you probably have a conversation about money pretty much every day because that's on their mind. And, and the money talk, when, when the Bible talking, is talking about money, it's not talking about it in the way that those stories come about. In many of the places in the Bible where it refers to possessions, there's a spiritual aspect to the story. Whether it's Joseph being sold by his brothers into slavery whether it's Judas betraying Jesus. There's normally something going on. There's something else going on. It's just not about the money. And so this afternoon we're going to look at a couple of those parts of the Bible to try and answer, answer the question, is Christianity after the money, after my money? Uh, so, first of all, we're going to look at the problem. Uh, then we're going to look at the provision, then we're going to look at the position, I'll have to explain that one a bit, I think that's a bit, I was getting all my P's lined up and I couldn't find the right words, it was the closest one I had. Uh, And then the promise. Okay, so so first of all, the the problem. And in the passage that Ian read out, let me read it to you again, Uh, again it's there in your Bible on page 666, two things I ask of you Lord do not refuse me before I die keep falsehood and lies far from me give me neither poverty nor riches but give me only my daily bread otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say who is the Lord or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God and that's actually uh, written by a guy called uh, Agar we don't know much else about him um, and it's really a prayer for, for contentment. It's, it's a prayer that he would be content in his life. Particularly as it regards a couple of things. Uh, it talks about falsehood and lies there. But also as far as money. Uh, that he wouldn't have so much. That he forgot about God. That he wouldn't have too little. And, and, the, and even in that phrase there, you see, you see that phrase, our daily bread. Does that remind you of another prayer? Somebody else's prayer? Yeah, so that's in the Lord's prayer. Yeah? Give us our, our daily bread, that idea is mirrored there. Um, and, and this guy knows, he knows that, that these are two things that that are likely to keep him from a close relationship with God. Uh, lies and deceitfulness and the other is, is stuff, you know, his stuff, his attitude to stuff. And so he asks God to keep these situations from taking control of his life. Uh, let me read you another verse. This is from uh, a book in the Bible called Hosea. And this is chapter 13, verse 6. And this is God talking to Israel and express, expressing to them the fact that he's pretty irritated with them, got very angry. Uh, this is what it says there. And this is God talking through one of his prophets. Uh, and he's talking about Israel. So he says this When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. And then they forgot me. It's that idea, isn't it, that idea of, of self satisfaction. And I see this pattern certainly in my old life. You know, I I find that I have enough, whatever it is, whatever we're gonna call enough, whatever we're talking about. And so I think, oh okay, I've got enough. Okay, I've got enough. And and I I start to think that, okay, yeah, I, I got that enough stuff. Yeah, you know, that was that was enough. I, I did that, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did that. You become a bit proud about it, or, or let's put it this way: you certainly forget that it was God who gave us, because, gave that to us, because He gives us everything. And that is when I become proud, and too quickly I realise that I'm trying to save myself instead of letting God save me. And perhaps that's something you could recognise. Perhaps is something that recently. Uh, God's provided in your life or protected you from perhaps uh, and, and maybe you're aware that you're already losing some thankfulness. Uh, it's, a, it's a very natural human thing that we do and it's it's flawed in three ways. The first is God has given us everything. God has given me everything I have. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, that sentence of satisfaction that, that I have it is Fleeting. It's not. It's not. It's kidding me. It's not really real. And my only hope for satisfaction is in in God, not in me and what I do. Um. That is just going to cause a barrier between us. And it's, thirdly, it's going to cause a barrier because because God opposes the proud, and it does say that in the Bible. God opposes opposes the proud, and and so that that idea of of puffing ourselves up and saying, yeah, you know i provided this is not, not good. The, the point, the big point here, is that money can be, be careful. What I say there, and be clear what I say there can be a barrier between me and God. Possessions can be a barrier between me and God. Um, those two conditions that Agar talks about—having too much or not having enough—there's no there's no pound figure attached to that. It's a question of our heart. And, and how our heart feels um, there are people who um, have great wealth who are very humble who look to God uh, all the time and are uh, good brothers and sisters who are absolutely in the right place and um, there are good brothers and sisters who have nothing who have absolutely nothing and are still thankful to God for the fact that they have almost nothing quite incredibly um, that is fine. But both of those people will have a risk, will have a temptation that perhaps other people wouldn't have. So, again, got to be careful uh, just with how we think about that. Money and possessions can be a barrier between us and God. Uh, which is pretty much what they said with the root of all evil comment. Uh, but I mentioned a moment ago that God's prov- God provided everything that I have, and this this is provision, where does it come from? Where does money come from? Does money grow on trees? No, sadly not, uh, uh, unless you are an apple farmer, I suppose, in which case you can make a tenuous argument that money grows on trees, but no, it's apples that grow on trees and you sell the apples and get the money, but no, money doesn't normally grow on trees. Um, So where does it come from? Where do our possessions come from? The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So, so let's just get that right for a minute. What's included in the word everything? Everything is included in the word everything. Nothing is excluded from the word everything. Everything. It, it also says, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on the thousand hills. God owns a cat on a thousand hills, he owns all the money in the world, he owns our cars, our houses, our phones, our computers, uh, our frying pans, our Nintendos, our paper clips, our clarinets, everything. It's all his. Some of you are thinking, hold on a minute, why am I going to work on that basis? Well, good question work and, and other ways in which we get, get possessions are blessings God gives us to allow us to, to get money and, and to do things um, but we only have to read the headlines to know that those things are transitory, again this week we talk about low wage and unemployment and those kind of things so it's important for us to recognise and I think it's very freeing on our hearts to recognise who owns what we have um, so okay, fair enough. Uh, if that's true then you're asking the, quest- the question, sorry. one there, still Back up to say what is my role then? Okay, you know I, I've, I've got the, I've got some some money perhaps. I've got some cash. I've got certainly got some possessions. Um, am I just the recipient of that? No. God has given us a very specific job to do. Oh, this is the position He's given us a very specific job to do. The Bible says that those who have been given something have been given a, a, a trust. It says this. It says um, uh, that. It says that. It says if those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Uh, so we're to be. with what we've given well what does that mean what what are they talking about well uh, it it really means okay the question is not what do I want to do today with dot, dot 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 my phone my frying pan my money whatever the question is what does God want me to do today the question is not how do I want to spend my money the question is how does God want me to spend his money and that's a whole other sermon series but that's the general principle Okay, the principle is, it's God's money and how does he want us to spend it well think about that passage I read you from Hosea um, God provided things to feed the Israelites he provided food to feed the Israelites great, God gives us resources at least in part because we, we need resources to live we need, we need money, we need food, we need clothes we need roofs over our head And so God provides some of that for us. Uh, For our families, to look after our families, that's a very good thing. And we totally rely on him for that, whether we realise it or not. And and remember, this is the guy who feeds 5,000 from two fish sandwiches. I mean, this is a guy who really does know how to provide for people. Uh, And yes, there are times in our lives when we suffer because of a lack of resources. And there's another whole sermon there, which we'll do another time. But the point is, It's his provision. He's the one who gives it to us. And he's the one who, when he's given it to us, he wants us to be faithful as to how we use it. The point I need to remember is my money belongs to God. And he's asked me, and he's given me instructions actually in the Bible as to how to manage it well and how to meet the needs of my family and other things like that. He's told me how he wants me to deal with money not because of the money but because of my heart and we'll think about that in a moment let me just go down a rabbit track here you know how I was saying that uh, we are stewards let's use that word, we're managers we're stewards of the money that God's given us when I think about going to heaven and all the other things that, that will be happening and all the, the other things that are going on I know I'm going to be standing in front of God and I'm going to be accounting for my sins and I'm going to say, I'm with Jesus and he's paid the price for my sins. But but what I I want to hear, what I pray I will hear, what I really hope I will hear is something that, that Jesus quotes from a story about a master who goes away and leaves some money with different stewards, like we're talking about here. And the steward comes back and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's habit, ha- happiness. I really, I really hope that I'm conscious of that and that that would be, I pray if God is gracious, something that I would hear. So, we talked about uh, money. It can be a major barrier between us and God. We've got to be careful with that. We talked about the fact that it's all God's, it's all his money, it's all his possessions and it's our job to use it in a way that's going to please him. So, let's get down to the main point here, which is about, okay, this thing about Christianity and churches being after your, your money, what's it all about? And I want to suggest to you that it is a blessing. Um, but why should we give? Why should we give to a church? Why should we give to any Christian organisation? Let me just rewind for you. Do you remember when I said that God owns everything? So why doesn't he just give the money directly to the church? Why doesn't he just say, Here you are here's all the money you need to do what you need to do. We know that, he, that God wants the church to do things. He's given the church a number of instructions in the Bible saying we want you to do this, we want you to do that, we want you to do that. That needs resources. Why doesn't God just say, there's your resources? Why doesn't he say, like, like I say, why doesn't Alan Sugar walk in now and go, oh, I won't do the voice. And do, you know, here's, here's, the, here, here's all the money you need. You know, why, why doesn't he do that? Um, well Alan Sugar would be very busy on a Sunday I suppose but but um, he could just do that this is why because it's about it's about our hearts it's not about the money that the, the people need in that way it's not the money the church needs in that way it's, it's because it's about our hearts and the fact that it is good for us let me say that again it is good for us God is concerned with the giver, he's concerned with us and our hearts and that's why he gets us involved in the process, that's why instead of going from God to church, the money goes God, us church yeah, because he could just do it directly, it's because of us, he wants our hearts to be in a right place he knows that giving to Christian organisations in that way is good for for the givers. Why is that? Why do I say that? I'm not saying it's like a bank or something where you know you make a deposit and you get interest or something like that. Uh, we shouldn't think about it in that way. That you know God will give us back more than we put in. Um, although to be fair, that does happen from time to time. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but we have to be cautious and careful when we think about that. We shouldn't say, oh you know, I've put my £3 in uh, I should be getting £3.50 next week it's not like that it, It's not. there are a number of churches who will say that to you there are a number of churches who will say if you give to the church you will be blessed and you will be blessed in terms of your money and your possessions no that may happen it may not, you, you, we can't go down that track um, but what it does do is first of all it gets our, it gets our heart into the right place. Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think we would all recognize that. You know, I think we would recognize that the things we spend our money on are, are the things we like, are the things that we love. Uh, that's quite natural. Um, and I think that actually happens in two ways. I think it happens you know, because we love things, we want to put resources into them, uh, which is very good and right. Uh, but also, I think it works the other way around as well. I think that because we've put money into something, our heart is more attached to it. Uh, so I think it goes, it goes both ways around. I know that, uh, you know, I'm a football fan, uh, you've seen the the thing this week about football tickets, how the price of football tickets and how the price is, is way above uh, the rate of inflation. Although why that was news, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I think that was, I think that was pretty obvious to anybody who's, who's been near a football ground. And all the kits and the, you know, the third kit, you know, the third team kit, and you, you need to buy the third team kit. What are you talking about? Um, but you think about football fans; they they love their team, and so they put money into their their football team by going and buying season tickets, and buying tickets, and 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 buying uh, kits and those kind of things. But because they've invested in, it works in the other way that the love increases. And it's kind of this. This feedback loop, and uh, we lost yesterday. What can I say? Um, so, so it's about our heart. It, 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 you know, God knows that there is a relationship between our money and our heart. We put our trade, our money, our trade where our hearts are. Uh, but secondly, in the same, in the same piece of scripture. So Jesus told us to store up our treasures in heaven. is why I say, where is my treasure? Jesus told us to store up treasure in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. We can't take it with us. Is the phrase, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a phrase, yeah, oh, you, you can't take it with you. Um, and you're right, you can't, and, and oh, we, we spend it unwisely. This is a great quote from a guy called Jim Elliot. This is Jane, this is the Jim Elliot quote I promised you earlier. We are talking about Jim Elliot earlier. Jim Elliot was a missionary who uh, gave his life for the Lord uh, in South America. Uh, this is a quote from him. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me give you that again. He is no fool who gives that but he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And we don't know exactly what what treasure in heaven might be. Uh, Jesus promises it to us. Uh, But let's face it, it's not going to be bad, is it? It's not going to be something that's a bit dodgy, is it? It's going to be something absolutely fantastic. We can be sure of that. And in all this, when I'm thinking, you know, when, when we're thinking about why is giving money good for us, the, th- the third thing is, is our attitude. Uh, Israel used to give ten percent. If you're an Israelite, you're expected to give ten percent of your earnings. Uh, to look after the temple and the Levites and all that good stuff. And that was a law. That was a law, something you were supposed to do. Christians now are told to give out of love, not out of duty. It should never feel, uh, when I'm giving some money, it should never feel like a chore. It should always feel like love. And that's the important point. Uh, Paul wrote uh, in the Bible, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I that hardship that I may boast but do not have love I gain nothing and later on he said that God loves a cheerful giver and that's true, if I'm not doing this out of love if I'm not doing it if I'm not doing it out of a response of what God has done for me, if I'm just doing it because it's a rule or a law then my attitude is in the wrong place my attitude is the wrong place a Christian who, who is giving in that way will, will not be will be just be joyful, will be a joy to be around there will be someone who is uh, um, it is clear that this is a response of love it is not a response of, of duty or just because somebody said you had to So bearing that in mind, does God want your money? No. Why not? Because it's already his. He already has your money. Whether you recognise that or not, it's his. What does God want? What God wants is your heart. That's what he's after. God isn't after your money, he's after your heart. All All the instructions about money and possessions and stuff are there so that your heart is in the right place. He doesn't love your money. He loves you. It is you that he wants. God you know, God has loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He sent his son to die for you so that when we look at things like possessions and stuff, we can understand them in a the right way and so that he can restore that relationship. Too often money and possessions are things that break our relationships with God. We become become self-satisfied or greedy or proud or whatever it is. And it becomes a barrier to us. Jesus came to restore that relationship. And if we put our faith in him and our trust in him, then he does restore that relationship. And if we do that, what happens is, you find that your attitude starts to change. Your attitude to possessions and money starts to change. You start to recognise some of the things we've talked about today. And we start to give our time and our our possessions and our money. We start to give not out of but out of love. out Out of a desire to yes of course I want to give. Why would I not want to give when I think how much God has given me? God has given me his son Jesus Christ. He's given me everything. He's given me forgiveness. He's adopted me as his son. He has... Uh, Poured out, he's given me his word, he's given me the Holy Spirit, he's given me everything. Why am I then worried about arguing about what I should give? I owe him everything. Jesus died and rose from the dead so I might find comfort and peace and contentment and satisfaction, peace with a life with him, so I can be free from such things like worrying about. We're in about that. We're about money and possessions. God knows that our attitude to getting and giving and spending can be a huge blessing and an encouragement to us instead of a barrier to us. That's why it's in the Bible 2,350 times because it, it can be a very big deal for us. So to get our hearts in the right place, he wants us to think about how we use our resources, how we use our money. He wants us to think about how much we need, how much we need, how much we need to give. He doesn't want that. He wants our hearts. Money is is one of the subjects that so often causes a causes divisions and problems in churches and outside of churches, in relationships. Very conscious of that, very conscious of of where people are. If you do have questions about this, please, please come and talk. The the usual phone number goes up on the screen afterwards. Please send us a text if there's something that you, you want to know about. There's a lot of wisdom in the Bible about money and how to manage money. Um, we have contacts with the people you can talk to if you're perhaps struggling with money if you're perhaps struggling with debt yourselves if you have those kind of questions as well please come and talk to either myself or Ian we'd love to point you in the right direction and get someone to help you out but this is what we want you to remember today This this is the answer to the question about is Christianity after my money? no God is after your heart let's pray together